welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and through the internet deliver it to you. My name is Reverend Todd Laddick, and today I'm going to be bringing to you uh, part five of a six-part series entitled God With Us, and today's message is entitled God with us, based off of Luke chapter 1, or excuse me, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. So let us dive into the word today. At that, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night, the shepherds were that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, "Don't be afraid." He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast, of, a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby, lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened, and what the angel of the Lord had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard. It was just as the angel had told them. Amen. There's a big difference between God for us and God with us. Let me say that again. There is a big difference between God for us and God with us. The birth story is a perfect example of that. A bunch of shepherds and a couple of poor kids gather at a barn in some backwater Roman province. Yes, God was with us there and any other last place on earth you might find yourself. God is with us there, too. 
Anyone who knows me knows that I am a person who has struggled with depression and ex especially uh, anxiety. Uh, the two feed off of each other, really. And for years, I had tried different things to conquer those diseases into very different levels of success. This went on for my whole life, right up until this past year. I had spent all of those years praying for God to help me. And yet it felt like God did not hear my prayers. You ever have that happen? Where you just pray and you pray and you pray for something and nothing ridiculous, something you actually need. But yet it seems like God is either out you know, on vacation or not listening or not around. Well, I've had that. I've had that happen to me. And over time, I just figured there, I figured there was to be no real relief from the hell that is anxiety and depression. I just figured that I was going to be stuck dealing with that my whole life. And I speak openly about it because I'm not the only one who experiences this. And so hopefully people knowing my story makes them feel less alone in theirs. But over time, I figured I was a hopeless cause. Then one day I was getting tattoo work done. And my tattoo artist was talking about anxiety and and different things that have helped her. And in doing so, I realized that there were other legitimate and effective avenues that I had not considered or tried. And I realized God had answered my prayer at a time I just wasn't even looking for it. At a time when I was just living my ordinary, plain life. Getting more tattoos as I want to do. <laughs> but, um, yeah, God showed up. At a time, I least anticipated it. And when we think of God showing up for us, we often let our imaginations run wild. We expect a Charlton Heston-like experience with a big booming voice from the sky, flashy miracles like a non-burning burning bush, or we imagine God stopping something from happening or even making something uh, happen against the laws of nature. You know what I'm talking about. The real Bruce Almighty kind of um, kind of, of, of event. Or we often think of things... We often think things have to be a certain way for God to show up. For example, we think that we have to be in a calm, quiet place in church. Or once we've started reading the Bible... Yet, Jesus' birth shows us that God is with us. That God with us means God has chosen to enter our messy, busy, imperfect humanity as one of us. And this is what the incarnation is. When we say the incarnation, um, we mean God becoming one of us. God becoming a human being. The way the writer of Luke tells Jesus' birth story is special. The writer describes what is going on in the world at the time. Not just what is going on religiously, but what is going on socially or politically. Augustus calls for a census. Caesar Augustus calls for a census. And people are traveling to take care of these civic responsibilities. 
the world does not stop. There is no fanfare for God's arrival. It is while world affairs keep going that God enters the world in the infant Jesus. In the first chapter of Luke, the story alternates between preparing for John the Baptist's birth and Jesus' birth. And while it's clear Jesus is the Messiah and John is not, this back and forth emphasizes how Jesus' story happens alongside and within the story of regular human beings. Further, alternating the John-Jesus story situates Jesus as the fulfillment of the Jewish hope for a Messiah. God does not bypass the religious faith of the people of Israel, but enters into it, albeit in a way that they would not have ever (laughs) imagined. While Jesus enters into the social, political, and religious world of the ancient Near East as it is, the incarnation or enfleshment of God does mark the beginning of a new way of God relating to humanity. In verse 10, the angel tells the shepherds that the newborn child is the Messiah, the Lord. And this word Lord is the same one used to refer to God, Yahweh, in the Greek translation of the Jewish scriptures that would have been widely used at the time. I'll say that again. This word Lord is the same one used to refer to God, Yahweh, in the Greek translation of the Jewish scriptures. This is a big surprise because what that means is in the Bible we see the word Lord but when you go into the Greek, it is, it is the Greek version of Yahweh in the Bible. And in the Bible, we translate Yahweh, which is the unspeakable, unwritable name of God, Yahweh. Uh, and and we, we, take that, we, we take that name, right? Yahweh. And we, we translate that into Lord, capital L-O-R-D. You know, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D to refer to the Lord or to God. And so so that same word in Greek that that is used to 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 be the you know that that word in Greek that represents that word in Hebrew is the word being used here in this scriptures to describe Jesus the Messiah the Lord aka the Messiah God. I want you to hear that when he says when he, the angel says to the shepherds the messiah the lord has been born he's talking about the messiah god has been born this is a big surprise people are using the name given to the god who split the red sea and brought the israelites out of egypt to describe a vulnerable baby born to a poor family in a stable. The all-powerful God, who may have felt too big to approach, is now actually 
with us, as one of us. God is near to us, and God will know our human experience from the inside, not from a divinely safe place or distance. Not only does the story of Jesus' birth show us God with us as humanity in general, but further as God on our side as human beings living in a world and under systems that constantly threaten to undermine our humanity. Under Emperor Augustus, who called for the census, the Roman Empire entered a time called the Pax Romana, the Pax Romana, which is the Roman peace, a time of peace and stability, except that it only looked that way. It was one of those things where it looked great on paper. But the political peace was achieved by killing off any enemies and suppressing anyone who disagreed with the ruling empire. So during this peace, people were being crucified, literally in like, like forests of crosses, being crucified as, as Rome was keeping the peace. And the emperor, Caesar Augustus, was referred to as Lord and as uh, uh, Fili Dei, which is uh, Filius, uh, yeah, I think it's a, uh, or no, it was uh, Fili, uh, Divi Fili or Fili Divi or whatever it is. Anyway, in, in Latin, uh, it, it stands for Son of the Gods or Son of God. And uh, he took on this title because Julius Caesar, after he died, after he was assassinated, was named um, a god. And, of course, uh, Caesar Augustus uh, was uh, Caesar's adopted, uh, uh, you know, adopted uh, son. He was, he was uh, uh, I think, a nephew to Caesar, and Caesar adopted him as a son. And so, so Augustus took on the title son of a god, son of God. And so the emperor, Caesar Augustus, was referred to as Lord and as son of God. The birth of Jesus then, is good news of great joys for all the people, not just the powerful or those who were useful to the Roman political machine. And in fact, you can see the big chasm between the two lords, Caesar, who only looks like he's bringing peace, versus Jesus, who is not only son of a god, but God in the flesh. The birth of Jesus is good news of great joy for all the people. Not just the powerful, not just those who were useful to the political machine, not just those who had something to get them there. A new Lord is now on the scene, wrapped in cloth and lying in an, in an animal's trough. That's right, an animal's trough, which is another word for manger. <laughs> This means God does not operate by the rules of the world or any regime of what defines humanity as worthy. And more importantly, the census that Caesar called to further oppress people 
the census that would raise more taxes on the people, that census brought Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem where it was prophesied the Messiah would come from. God is here, my friends, to bring true peace and joy for everyone, starting with those whom the world has despised. God loves humanity enough to become human, not ruling with an iron fist from above, but babbling from a manger in true human solidarity and compassion. I want you to consider the ways you shut God out of the very human, ordinary, or messy parts of your lives. For instance, when we come to church, we put on a good show, right? We dress our best, we act our best, we pretend we're good Christians, not in need of help from anyone. Yet privately, personally, we know that is a facade. We know it's a facade. We know that we really do struggle with things. Anybody here have no struggles? We sin, no matter how much we don't want to admit it. We hide those sins for fear that people will judge us. In fact, we do this so well that we often forget we are sinners. Or we justify our sins of the good people we fooled ourselves into believing we are. Sure, we pray to God. Sure, we pray to God. We, we uh, make sure that we do our due diligence. We pray for help, we, for him to appear to us when, where we need. But we don't seek Christ out. We don't spend time reading the scriptures. We don't pray often and consistently. And for some, worship is just a mere weekly obligation, if it's that at all. And, and we don't really bother serving God in community, as it doesn't really fit our schedules. Hence why God seems to be far away, over and ab above us. A, distance that create, a distant being that created us, but leaves us to our own lives and trials. In reality, though, God is not distant at all. We're distant from God, but God is not distant from us. God is with us. Emmanuel. In reality, God feels distant because... We have distanced ourselves from God. But we do have a choice. We can continue to imagine that God is far away. Or we can see God before us and within us. The God who, as Jesus of Nazareth, experienced your own very human challenges for himself. Friends, if you build up daily disciplines of prayer, reading scripture, worshiping, regularly serving Jesus at church and in your, in your community, confessing your sins to people who will support and pray for you, you will experience Jesus Christ and he will change you. You will not only think of Emmanuel seasonally, but he will be with you in your hearts every day. How might your relationship with Jesus shift if you, if you truly believed Jesus experienced the same human life as, they, as you do or was with you in the day-to-day? Day -day? Could you imagine how you would 
shift, how your life and your relationship with Jesus would shift. If you experience Jesus and you in, in, in a way that, that you truly believe that Jesus not only understood the experiences you had, but but that experience, that same human life that you did. And and that you it, could you imagine how your life would shift if you really believed Jesus was with you in the day to day? What systems, institutions, circumstances, or people might you make might be making you doubt your worth? Or making you feel unable to express your feel, full humanity? What is stealing or crushing your humanity? Recognizing Jesus, the God human, as Lord, will change you. And thus the world around you will begin to change. You will have courage and passion for the good news because you have experienced it for yourself. Perhaps it will provide the courage to speak out against injustices or help make the decision to leave a dehumanizing situation or, or help with inner strength if leaving is not an option. For instance, perhaps you could work in a perhaps you work in a toxic work environment and have you have felt trapped there. Your faith in Christ being with you could give you the strength you need to take a leap of faith and leave your job for something potentially better. Or perhaps you serve on a committee that is pressuring you to vote in a certain way, but you know it would not be what is best. Your faith in Christ will give you the strength to go against the grain. Or perhaps you're being called to lead in some way. Your proximity to Christ, if you have drawn closer, will give you the courage and the strength to step up. As believers in and followers of Jesus Christ, we are affirmed in our full humanity and met there by the God who did not consider humanity too low to be worthy of divine presence and love. I encourage you, as the church, to think about how we show this world our God who is with us. Do our ministries and missions embody a God who is far off, who requires fanfare, who only responds to extravagant gifts and flashy demonstrations of faith? Or do our ministries and missions embody a God who meets people where they are, as they are, and offer them a place that nourishes their humanity and all of its imperfections. With treasures of hope, uh, our, 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 um, our clothing and, and uh, thrift shop ministry, our support for the weekend bag program, which is a, a, a program that, that gathers up uh, food for, for kids who are food insufficient at schools, um, Mana House, which is a soup kitchen, and all the other ministries we're involved in, I can say with certainty that we do embody a God who meets people where they are, but we can always grow closer to Christ as we also grow in our witness of him. Let us praise the Lord by drawing closer to him and closer to him and closer to him as we continue to witness the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. And with that, I say amen and Merry Christmas to you all. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we just thank you for all that it is that you've done for us. And we thank you for the greatest gift, which is yourself. 
that you gave us so we could have not only redemption, but also life eternal and abundantly at that. Lord, we thank you for all of that. We ask that you do challenge us and raise us up to be better witnesses for you so that we make bring more people to know you and to have a relationship with you and to call you Lord, our God. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I just want to thank you and praise you, or thank you and praise you. I want to uh, thank you uh, for tuning in and praise you for tuning in. Some of you, especially, I know uh, some people are are a little uh, technologically challenged, and so to get on and in uh, does deserve praise, and so thank you for that. Uh, but but with that said, uh, I do I always enjoy you tuning in and um, listening to these, and uh, I hope uh, you have a very blessed Christmas. Uh, you can check out the uh, episode notes. Uh, there you'll find all sorts of links, and you'll also see the links to PayPal and Tidely. Um, if you uh, find it in yourself to be able to support us, uh, we could use it, uh, especially if this is your main uh, nourishment uh, throughout the week. Uh, but if you know if you're attending other churches or, or, or other faith communities, then then by all means support them as they could use it too. And if you want to support both of us, we would love that. So thank you so much again. We hope that you have a very very merry Christmas and a happy New Year. And uh, hey, remember you are richly blessed, so that you may be a blessing to others. Go in peace. Mm-hmm.